We're going to have a great show today. But but before we get started, what's up, Michael P. Duncan? Say hi to the people. Hi to the people. You know, the people hear about Michael P. Duncan, and they don't know what to think. They, they just feel like he's an enigma. They're yearning for more Michael P. Duncan. We know that. We all know that. Thank you for, for gracing the airwaves with me today. Oh, of course. I hear we have a pretty big announcement. Well, I don't know about big, but, you know, the Dynasty Game Theory Invitational, we invited a bunch of, you know, big names and all the rest of that nonsense. But we wanted to do a the same type of league, but with, you know, listeners of the league and followers of me on Twitter, etc. So want to just kind of announce it here on the pod, tell everybody what's going on. So it's going to be like me and you and maybe one or two other undroppables and then, you know, we're going to invite, you know, eight to 10 spots available for others, right? Yeah, that's the plan. I think uh, it'll be all the listeners' chances to uh, show you up, show me up. I don't really think they're trying to show me up, but I think absolutely they want a shot at taking down uh, the Jax Falcone. So, so, so Michael, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna invite listeners to this podcast to join a Dynasty League. I don't know if it's going to be 12 or 14. We'll probably go 14. We're going to we're going to mimic that <clears throat> the Dynasty Game Theory Invitational that all these these studs are playing in. I'm going to play in the league. You're going to play in the league. Don Mega I think is going to play in the league and maybe We haven't another. told him yet, but We haven't told him. No, that's true. We haven't he's told him. He's going to find out this right is, now. This is yeah, he's going to find out right now as he listens. But what I'm thinking is, look, if you want to join the league, just make it simple. I don't need you guys to do anything fancy, nothing crazy. Um, just DM, reach out, say what's up, raise your hand on Twitter. You can reach out to Michael P. Duncan. You can reach out to Dino Game Theory. You can reach out to the undrafted FF. Just go find us on Twitter and say you want to be in the damn league. Because you know what? That's all you need to do. I don't need no fancy tricks. But what do you think about that? We'll just choose at random. We're just gonna. I'm just going to pick the people I like best. How's that? If I pick you, I like you, damn it. I think that's perfect. And yeah, Good. just uh just to reiterate that at MP Duncan seventy five, at Dino Game Theory, and at the undrafted FF on Twitter. Um, yeah, just reach out and we can't guarantee you a spot. We're not gonna promise you a spot. But if Jax likes you, then you're in. It's gonna be awesome. I can't wait to to see how many people respond and and hopefully it's exactly like whatever we need like 10 or four, or 12 that way I don't have to choose but if I have to choose I'm just going to choose randomly and indiscriminately those are the two promises I will make to you it will be random and indiscriminate but creativity always wins for me so something cool funny creative make me laugh and you're so in. random and indiscriminately unless he decides that it's not that's right that's exactly correct Michael P. Duncan, we've got a great show today, too. I've got Michael Liu on. I'm about to announce him and, and get started. So what do you say we uh, we get you out of here and, and, uh, and I continue the show? I can't wait to leave. All right, get out of here. Welcome to Undrafted, a Dynasty Game Theory podcast brought to you by the Undroppables. I am your host, Scott Belanger, a.k.a. Jax Falcone. You can find me on Twitter at Dino Game Theory. This is episode number 49. 
Let's Roll. And uh, today's show is actually a, a two-part series I'm doing with Michael Liu. Michael Liu is actually a real pro scout. If you don't know already, now you do. But Michael Liu uh, does bunk bed breakdowns. Uh, you know, he's got the Fantasy Wolf Pack. He is uh, uh, part of BDGE, Big Dog Gotta Eat, uh, over with Nick Ercolano. Uh, if you caught his show last year with me, you know just how dope Mike is. So uh, without further ado, Mike, Lou, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, man. It's always uh, good to chop it up with you. You know, we just recorded an episode for, for my channel uh, before this. so I'm kind of excited to kind of dig in now uh, for your show as well. As you know, I'm always always been a big fan and we all have a lot of mutual respect uh, for each other and I have a lot of respect for everyone at the Undroppables. So um, I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to be back, man. We got to make this uh, an annual occurrence at least, you know. Yeah, at least. A, just yeah, a, if not just twice a, a year. Yeah, if not, if not more than that. So yeah, the people we got loved, a lot of good stuff to talk about. So I'm yeah, the people loved your in. show, man. I thought I thought your show when we did it was definitely the best show to date. Uh, at that <laughs> point, you know, and, and I've had a few good shows after that, but that show was a really, really great show. Uh, you and I click really well because we, we talk similar, similarly. We've, you know, we, we mentioned it on part one, but you know, we mentioned how, you know, we sort of came into the space at the same time and in the same sort of general way we were, you know, jousting and, and agreeing mostly on Twitter, but jousting for sure, because it's more fun than agreeing. Yeah, it's way more fun. Yeah, way more fun. And I never and, took uh, it personally, though. Like, I mean, I, I was never yeah. offended by anything you said. Hopefully, you were never offended by anything no, I said. No, I, I appreciate it. Yeah. I'd rather be a little offended. Offended is, <laughs> is exciting. But no, absolutely. I mean, that was kind of the whole point was like we were, um, you know, we were able to withstand each other's sort of gruffness, which, yeah. you know, I mean, of course, like, you know, I always, we talk in the Undroppables uh, group chat or, or whatever. It's like, I'm always looking to stress test the idea. Like, you got this idea that this or that is true or, or whatever. And if someone can just poke a little hole in it with one simple like curiosity question, then it wasn't much of a take <laughs> to begin with. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's like, you know, so yeah, I mean, you, you want it, you want your take to be able to stand up to cross examination, I guess is what I'm getting at. Mm -hmm. For sure. I mean, a lot of people like to go on Twitter and get, you know, positive reinforcement. I think there's a lot of that, too much of that. Oh, yeah. uh, I like to go on we Twitter. We call it the circle I, jerk. Yeah. And I, I follow a lot of people who, come from different perspectives as me and often don't agree with me because I like, I like debating with those people. Now, sometimes you get heated because it's football and it's fun, but at the end of the day, it's football. So, you know, it's never really personal um, with the exception of some slime bags out there, but like for the most part, it's never personal, right? You just kind of just go on and just have a good time. So I've Absolutely. always appreciated that we've been able to go on and trip each other and, you know, have a little fun. Uh, Absolutely. Because at the end of the yes. day, it's what it's all about. Yeah. Sometimes uh, one of us will, will upset someone on Twitter and then, you know, you'll be in my DMs going, what did I do? And I'm like, I don't think you did anything. Man. You were fine. <laughs> or I'll be in yours like, did I really fucking say anything? Bad? You're like, no, man, I don't know what you did. Like, we're just sort of like, you know, I don't know. Why is this motherfucker so, so upset? So, um, yeah, uh, in any event, let's just kick it off from where we were at. I mean, you know, if you haven't listened to part one, you will because you're going to go uh, find it on Bunk Bed Breakdown and Michael Lou's podcast and, and go listen to part one. But we talked about contenders how we would treat contenders. We talked about a lot of other stuff too, but basically centered around uh, how you treat a contender. And uh, I thought that some of the concepts are, you know, either the same or the inverse of what you do with a rebuild. So let's pick up where we left off. We were talking about, you know, sort of how, you know, you treat the iron bank and, you know, 
why it's so important. And maybe you can just share a little bit, you know, I, I stole that term from you. I use it on this pod all the time, although I do shout you out every time I use it, <laughs> you know, sure. Iron Bank, AKA, you know, thank you, Michael Lou. but um, tell the people about the Iron Bank and how it's basically utilized in a rebuild or in general in Dynasty. Yeah, look, the Iron Bank is just your arsenal of assets, your chest that you you want to try and continue to expand and not deplete, right? That's the key is like, you know, it's this is not a a savings account that just that just sits there and earns no interest and you go and spend it and it's gone. This is a this is an investment portfolio, you know, made up of whatever it is, but in my case it's usually rookie picks and I'm always trying to replenish it. So, you know, if I have three first one year, I'm not looking to just blow those three first and not get anything back, right? What I'm what I'm usually trying to do is I'll use maybe one, maybe two of those picks and that third one, I will trade back and get another one in the, in the future year, right? And so if I'm looking at this year, for example, like in a lot of leagues, because I'm always accumulating picks, I had like three or four first round picks and I would use one on like a quarterback if I needed one on a running back if I needed one. And then after that, I'm always looking to trade back into the second round and get a future first round pick. And sometimes, sometimes you can get multiple first. You can get a first next year and a first a year after that. And I did a lot of that this year. So if I'm sitting there at 106, right, 107 and, you know, all my top quarterbacks are gone. I don't really need running backs. I don't really need wide receivers. As much as I love Jamar Chase, if someone's willing to give me two first for that pick, hey, he's he's gone. That's yours. Take make take him. Make that pick. Do what you want with them. And the reason why it's so strong is because every year you'll be able to control the draft. So every year you're going to go in and you're going to have two to three first round picks. And you're going to keep replenishing and keep replenishing and keep getting that value and accruing that value because every time you trade back, recognize this. Every time you trade back, you're getting another free shot. We all know the draft is very, very unpredictable. And even the best of us who, and when I say us, I'm not even included in that. The best prospect evaluators are not hitting all too often, right? So, you know, the more shots you can take and the more value you can accrue, it, it's it's great because like if you get two picks, if you miss on one, you still have the other one to hit, Right. And that's the beauty of the Iron Bank is it just it never depletes uh, as long as you're continuing to trade in the future. And as a rebuilder, that's all you care about. As a rebuilder, I don't care about lineups. I don't care about points. I don't care about any of that. I just care about accruing as much value as possible until I'm ready to flip it on to become a contender. And there's really no better way to do that than to just continue building the bank. That's right. And uh, very well said. And, you know, a lot of times, um, you know, people confuse the iron bank with just only acquiring draft picks. It, it doesn't necessarily mean that, although it basically means that. Mm -hmm. I mean, in other words, you know, even, I mean, even a young player can lose value a la cam Akers. you know, um, you know, you would think, well, I mean, cam Akers isn't going to lose any value. He's going to be, and boom, it it happens. So, you know, even these young stud players that we do like to acquire, uh, that is goes without saying, um, can still lose value. So, when you're trying to rebuild, it's almost always better to store that value in future draft picks for a multitude of reasons. Number one, it can't lose value. Not mm-hmm. possible mm-hmm. Um, unless the league folds, uh, yeah. but that's about the only way. Uh, and it can't uh, win you any games. You know, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, a, a, a player can actually win a couple games and get you out of the 1.01, whereas if your team is – is basically all locked up in future picks. And we've seen it, you know, I mean, you've seen it on Twitter, you know, uh, uh, someone will post and they'll just show they have like eight or nine or 10 of the first 12 picks. And you're like, 
but how? And it's really just like, well, because he traded so many things back, back, back into, like you say, even multiple seconds, which then yeah. can be churned into a first. Yeah, um, you know, Yeah, and and I think I said on your pod, uh, I said, you never just want to make one first round pick every season for the rest of time. Like that is yeah. the that is the the donkey strategy of all strategies. Like, you know, you definitely want to be, in some year making multiple first round picks. So that way you sort of have this group of players that should mature at the same time and, and, and coalesce at the same time. So your team actually has, you know, a a winning upside in the same season. Yeah. You definitely want to make an impact. Like you don't like, if you're just the guy drafting one pick every single year, that's a drop in the bucket, right? Yeah. Whereas you're you're looking to like dump a bottle or at least dump a half <laughs> yeah. bucket into your inject that type of talent into your your team, whether it's through drafting rookies or trading those picks for established players or what have you. There's a multitude of ways to do it. You don't have to draft three or four players, but you want the option. You want the right. option to be able to make a splash impact in in any given draft class, and it's key to kind of pick your draft classes wisely, right? Because you know if you did it in 2019. Not great, right? Mm. But if you did it in 2020, that was game changing, mm-hmm. right? In 2020, like I put all my chips into that class. And, yes. you know, that's how I took a team that was like, you know, with a 1.01 into like probably teams that are just on auto cruise now. Uh, it's, it's just, I'm just waiting on championships for those teams. So it, it's really, it, you really got to pick the right years, but you got to, like you said, you got to make splash impacts, right? You got to actually plan for that. That doesn't just happen out of nowhere. And here's an interesting question that I have for you, right? Sure. And people ask me this all the time too, but, and I have my take on it, but how many firsts is too much in one given draft class? Like, do you ever, do you ever say like, ah, like I have, I don't, I don't need this many picks or are you just like, I don't care. I'll take all of them. I don't think there's ever too many. Um, I think uh, that's an interesting question. I don't know that I've ever been there because I don't know that I've ever really had more than maybe five or six. Yeah. Um, I've never been the guy with 10 of the first 12 picks or anything yeah. like that. Um, you know, I've never just, I don't know. I, I guess I've never done that. I guess this last year, uh, Jemo and I, uh, he, he had a team and he invited me in. And of course, everybody in the league was like, bro, you bringing in fucking Falcon over here? But, um, you know, and it was a dog shit team and we sold everything. We just kept selling yeah. everything. You yeah. know, we had Deshaun Watson like two years ago. We sold him. We got multiple first plus lock. Then we sold lock for multiple first. And that was great. So we got like four first round picks essentially for. Hold up. You sold you know, lock for multiple first. Yeah. Well, this was like, uh, yeah, we did. It was great. And actually Jesus people were Christ. like, what the fuck? You know, we sold Jacob Eason, uh, and his, like as a rookie when everybody thought he was going to be like the next thing. And someone was like, this is bullshit. You, you know, you gave up Eason, you know, like they thought that was that we lost, you know, we got picks for him. Like it was great. So we just got picks on top of picks. We sold Lev Bell. We sold, I mean, we sold everything. So we just kept selling and selling and selling. We ended up stacking, and that's, you know, and he's like, that was the master class. I mean, it was, it was such a shitty team. Like, I don't know if I've taken over such a shitty orphan, you know? And it, and he was like, dude, I don't know what to do. And I'm like, I know what to do. <laughs> you know, basically <laughs> yeah. just keep transacting, you know, yeah. everything's a transaction. We're, we're open for business. We don't give a shit about playing weekly fantasy football. We are yeah. playing trade all the time. And in every trade, the thing I'm looking to acquire is a single first round pick some way or some fashion, you yeah. know? Um, I think we sold, um, Marvin Jones and Zach Moss for a first, you know, and people are like, geez, this guy, you know, but everything was a first coming our way, you know? And it was just like, 
whatever it was, we just wanted a first. And, and so we, we still have, we, we, we draft, I mean, we got fields and Lawrence and all sorts of stuff this year. Um, I think, uh, whatever. I don't remember the whole team. It doesn't really matter. We had Higgins and stuff, but anyway, we got this really good team. Then we, then we, we sold ETN for basically Dalvin cook. We have a first for it. So like we now have a team and then we still have multiple firsts in the next two seasons. Yeah. So we're like flexible and it's, I, I'll even do that as, as opposed to only uh, acquiring, like in this case, next year is 22, only 22 first. I'm open to getting a 23 first in a rebuild because yeah. I mean, you know, if, if they're like, I don't know about 22, but I'll do 23. It's like fine, especially considering 23 should be a better class. Yeah. You know, that's also why, but, yeah. um, but even if it wasn't, so to speak, it's like, it's fine. Like just get yourself a bunch of first rounds, first yeah. rounders, because they're going to sort of, they're going to accrue value. Whereas again, all these players I just named that we somehow turned into first rounders, Lev Bell and whatever, none of them are worth shit anymore. You know, yeah. maybe obviously um, Deshaun, but yeah, you know, whatever. So yeah, there you go. I think I'll give you, I'll give you my take on it. And you probably haven't had to deal with it. Cause like five or six is like probably the max I would ever go. And mm-hmm. the reason is because like, I need other people in the draft to actually do business with. Like if I own the entire right. first draft, then like, I have no one to trade with. Like the only way to trade is to get players. Right. And what if they had, what if the guys that want picks, I don't want any of their players. So I live myself. So I try to stay in that sweet spot of like four, maybe five first round picks. Cause then there's another five, six people and they might want to move up and I might have early picks and I can take their late round first and then future. Great first. Point. So, um, so for me, it's all about, you know, you got to have other buyers in the market. If you, you're, if you're the only guy in the market, you're not selling to nobody. So that's, yeah, why that's a great point. That's why I cap myself. So when people show me, they're like, look at me, I have 10 first. I'm like, I would probably trade some of those away. I would take some of them and flip them into future years now just so you have some other buyers in place and you can actually move and navigate. Because if there's no one else to navigate to, you're not trading back. Like you have 10 first round picks. Who are you trading back to? Um, yeah, it's a great point. I was just in a in a uh, another uh, orphan I took over and I, I ended up with, I don't remember. It was, you know, so there's 12 picks. I mean, we probably, I probably had like five first and like four seconds. I had a bunch of picks and one other guy had mm-hmm. like five firsts and five seconds. And like, yeah. so it ended up, you're right. It was like, every time I looked for a trade partner, it had to be him. And I'm like, yeah. fuck, he's yeah. got the same thing as me. Yeah. He doesn't want anything I got. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. You know what I mean? He doesn't, he's like, fuck you, you pick. I, I don't <laughs> yeah. want your shit. Yeah. You know, I got fucking five picks too, homie. Yeah. So like, I had to look very, very closely and, and target the other guys who only had maybe no picks. One, it, and it was very difficult, as you yeah. point out. Whereas if I was the only one who had that and everybody else sort of had one or two, it would have been a lot easier yeah. to say, hey, man, don't you want to move up for this or that? Yeah. You know, this guy didn't need to move up. <laughs> yeah. You, you want that type of dynamic where you can move back and not miss on your player, but other yes. people can't. That's the perfect dynamic yep. to take advantage of a rookie draft, and that's how you control it. So that's why um, I, I kind of go with that route. Um, but you, you know, you were talking about uh, trading for picks a couple years out, and that's just a great point. You know, in in a in a rational world, you know, th- there's a concept called time value money, and all that means is a dollar today is worth more than a dollar tomorrow. And similarly, a draft pick earlier is worth technically worth more than a draft pick later, all else equal, because Correct. You get access to that player. They can score points. But from a rebuild perspective, you get access to that player. You get access to points. But you also get access to risk, right? And, and you're not trying to take on more risk. So for me, I'll, I'll take a, a, a draft pick two years out and, you know, I'll take the, the spread on top, you know, whether that's a second round pick. So if you, if you don't want to give me a 2022 first, fine. Give me a 2023 first and a 2023 second. 
And in their eyes, that's equal. But in my eyes, I'm winning because I don't plan on contending in the next two years. And those picks are going to, like that 2023 first, is going to be worth more than the 2022 first when the time comes for me to use it. And I got a free second on top. So, you know, looking two years out, the only risk is you got to make sure you're in a league that's going to stand the test of time. I mean, most dynasty leagues last like 1.5 like two years top. So, but if a lot of these people that are playing your home leagues, you're with your homies, you know, your high school friends, college friends, they're not going to bitch out because you're going to, you're going to trim out if they bitch out. So yeah. Uh, if you're in that type of dynamic, then like you really need to look, you know, 2023, 2022, 2024, even if you want to, and just make sure you make that spread on top. And that's a great way to accrue value and rebuild. And the only, the all you have to do to accrue that value is to sit on it. The passage of time will naturally accrue the value right. for you. So it's a great thing. Yeah. And, and one other thing I think that I don't know if you and I have ever mentioned this together, but this is one of my brother. My brother has this sort of theory, which is a smart one. Sometimes the player's worth more than the pick. In other words, you know, you're on the clock on that Jamar Chase pick and someone's mm-hmm. like, yeah, I'll give you whatever for the pick. And you're like, dude, it's fucking Jamar Chase. So then yeah. you're just better off drafting Jamar Chase. Yeah, sometimes. Yeah. Getting into the season, even week one, week two, maybe even right now when people are like, Oh, Jamar Chase is dope. He's ADP of 20 in fucking redraft. Maybe, oh shit, you know, and now you can sell him for multiple first. So yeah. maybe the offers weren't there then, but sometimes the just take the player. Even yeah. if you don't intend to keep the player because you're a rebuild and yeah. your your team is vacant and Jamar Chase, Jamar Chase is probably a bad example, but whatever. You know, yeah. the player isn't someone you love, but the value of the player is going to be dope, you know, and you're like, no, I'll just wait and then I'll sell the player as the season starts yeah. or whenever that 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 crescendo hits and then I'll move that towards future draft assets especially when you know I always say during the season is when draft assets are the cheapest yeah. so you know the players are obviously more valuable yeah. because yeah. as soon as Jamar Chase puts up a two touchdown 100 yard game it's like dude you'll get whatever you'll get Rashad Bateman yeah. plus two first back for him yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 no absolutely I mean it's all I play this I play this little game of chicken sometimes where you know someone will try and offer me a trade up and you know, it's not the value that I want, but I know exactly who the fuck they're picking. Like I know, I, I've studied you before. I know what you're, I know exactly who you're moving up to take and I'll just pick the player. And then next thing you know, two rounds later, I trade that player for more than I would have got uh, for the, for the, for pick. the pick. So yeah. I do that all the time. And you know, that, that kind of requires you to really know your league mates. I don't recommend you do it all the time, but sometimes I'm like, I'm pretty confident. I know what this guy's doing and I'm going to pick the player that he wants because I know he's going to trade it to me later. Yeah, absolutely, and 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 especially when you have a firm grasp of in a in a in a rookie draft of where the tiers are. Yeah, you know, I don't know. I think a lot of people had this Najee Harris well ahead of ETN and you know and uh, and and Javante Williams, and you know I probably did have Jamar Chase well ahead, but then you know the wide receivers. It's like you know there was a huge sort of um, tier. Of, yeah. of of wide receivers that I had in the similar you know spot you know the um, I actually had Waddle sort of toward the back of it but a lot of people had Waddle up front so it'd be like Devonte Smith Waddle oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Bateman yeah. Marshall Elijah Moore Rondell Moore I think that's it I'm think I'm missing anybody but like that there's like six of them and you know and then you throw in the two running backs like Sermon and Michael Carter in this year's draft that was kind of the the the, the slew of them and you could trade back from like the late first into the mid second mm-hmm. and maybe even still get the guy you were going to take in yeah. the late first. You know, yeah. maybe you were going to take Bateman or Marshall and then all of a sudden you trade back five spots, pick up 
maybe even a future first potentially. I mean, that's possible considering you're selling a late first. That's definitely on the table. Mm-hmm. And then you still get the guy you want, or at least you got a guy in the same um, tier. And yeah. that's also a huge strategy. Don't assume you're right. Don't assume that A, you're right, that whomever you're going to take at that spot is better than the guy, you know, that's going to be mm-hmm. five picks later. And certainly don't assume that your your league mates are going to pick the same guys anyway, because they might take the other guy. So you might get yeah. your guy and the value. Yeah, that second part is key. Like, you know, in rookie drafts and startup drafts, it th- doesn't matter. Like people aren't going to draft the way they, that you that you draft. Um, and, you know, I, I play in leagues with people that like follow me on Twitter. And like even in those instances, like they still have their opinions, which is great. That's what you want. You want people to form their own opinions. You want people to have uh, their own draft strategy. If everyone just drafted the players that I liked, I wouldn't have any fun drafting at all. So, you know, <laughs> value always falls. You know, no matter what, like you trade back. The reason why I'm so comfortable trading back is I've seen it time and time again. Value always falls. Sometimes it's the player you want. Sometimes it's maybe not that first player you targeted, but it's that second, third player, like you said. So kind of just making the spread on the margin and firing the gun twice versus once. You're just going to get a better shot because, you. I mean, you look at these past couple of drafts, right? Like, you know, how sure were people on CeeDee Lamb, right? I, th- I thought I was positive, and, and I was positive. I thought CeeDee Lamb was great, and he is great, right? But you could have traded back from CeeDee Lamb and got Justin Jefferson plus, Bingo. right? You could have got... T. Higgins plus. And, and this year, yep. it's very much the same thing. Like, you know, am I sure about Jamar Chase? I feel like I'm sure. I feel like he's one of those prospects. <laughs> right, me too. But, you know, if someone gives me a, a first-round pick and I get to pick up Rashad Bateman, like, I'm more comfortable firing uh, in, in those types of odds. So it's always about trying to balance that risk because I, I know my weakness, right? My weakness is player evaluation. So, you know, knowing that I'm not the best player evaluator, uh, but I'm a better strategizer, then, you know, I try and work out these types of plans that help me limit my downside. Because if I miss once, then I fired twice and I might have hit on someone else. And, you know, you get, you get a brand now, you could get a T. Higgins in the second round of last year, who was someone I drafted a ton of just trading back. Right. Uh, and it's just, yeah, trading back. I mean, right. it's and, not and just I, startup drafts. It I, just, think, just I think you're, you're saying it exactly right. What's interesting, too, is I like to go into a draft not locked in on a player, but rather locked in on tiers. Yeah, And like this past draft, I, I've said it a million times in the show. They're probably tired of hearing it, but um, there were the five quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. There were the three running backs. Mm-hmm. There was Jamar Chase and Kyle mm-hmm. Pitts. Mm-hmm. That's 10. Mm-hmm. So as long as, like for me, as long as I can get into the top 10, some people had Devontae Smith in that sort of, mm-hmm. okay, 11. So mm-hmm. sometimes 10 or 11, somewhere in there, 9, 10, 11. Like if I could trade up from 2.02 to 1.10, which isn't a big deal. And I don't have to give up too much. I feel like I was maybe dramatically increasing, you know, my shot at getting a, a, a you know, a pits, a chase of, you know, a fucking big name, you know, a really a, a top tier player as mm-hmm. opposed to a second tier player. And yeah. the same thing happened in, in that second sort of group that I talked about, which sort of ended with that, you know, the, the Rondell Moore, Jalen Waddle, Michael Carter sermon, whatever. And I think that was like 16. If I remember correctly, yeah. I think there was another eight there. It's like, yeah. so I was constantly targeting those two spots, 10 and 16 or 10 and 18, whatever it was. I'm uh, somewhere in that ballpark mm-hmm. um, overall pick 10 and pick 18 and, and trying to just, especially I, I did this with the uh, like way pre-draft, like, cause I knew that that's the players that I wanted. And I didn't, I thought there was a sort of a teardrop after the 16th, 18th player. I would try and move up from the late second into that like 16 spot 
so yeah. that I could get the last one, like whomever it was. I didn't even give a shit who it was. Oftentimes, I would get at my at that spot the guy I had ranked eleventh or something, yeah. you know. And all I did was move from a late second to a mid second, and I don't even know. I don't even remember what I had to give up to do that shit. Nothing, like certainly nothing that is ever going to be different. Like you know what I mean? Like yeah. nothing that I even give a shit about. Like you know, trade a third for a fourth and I don't fucking know, like nothing that matters, but I was able to secure Trey Sermon or Terrace Marshall or something like that. And that makes all the difference in the world. Yeah. And so understanding where those things are, and those are the types of, of, of trades I'm always looking to make. I'm sure you are too. Yeah. I mean, tiers, understanding tier, tiers is like so important and, you know, everyone puts out ranks. I know you put out ranks for undroppables. I put out ranks for my uh, Patreon people as well. And people always ask me like, Hey, why do you have so-and-so over so-and-so? I'm like, it doesn't matter because they're yeah. in the same tier for me. I mean, yes. you're asking me why I have Justin Jefferson over like DK Metcalf. I don't care. I just, I have them there because I have to put out a ranking set for you, but I would never give up one for the other unless right. I got something significant in return. So understanding tiers, understanding tiers. And when you build your tiers, like this is why it's so important to invest time in it is I literally sit there and player by player, I ask myself, would I trade this player for this player? And if yes. the answer is no, that guy, they go in the same tier. And the second that answer is yes, then I know there's a tier break because I would I would obviously give up that player for the next player. And that's how I go about building my ranks, how I go about building my tiers. And that's where I spend the majority of my time. So I, I don't spend any time trying to like debate, you know, who is, you know, when Cam Akers is healthy. I was like, do I want Cam Akers? Do I want Tony Gibson? Like, I don't care. They're, don't they're care. just like in that group of guys. I'm happy with either one. Um, and when you're yeah, trading Jefferson with, or Lamb, I don't give a shit. They're both yeah, dope. Th- th- yeah, exactly. It doesn't matter. Care. These are these are just studs. So I think if you if you build your tiers the right way, then you can take that tier and really act on it. And how you act on it is like you said by trading back, and you you know you're guaranteed another player in that tier, and you get something on top. So basically, you got something in your eyes from the way you view things. Now it could be wrong because of how you rank players, but from your perspective, you got something for nothing. And that's right. what you're always trying to do in the rookie drafts is you're trying to get something for nothing. Right. And the more of those you get, those second round picks, those third round picks, those future first, they're gonna add up. And that's how you accrue value. That's how you build monsters. I mean, I've seen I've seen Scott share some of his teams on Twitter. I mean, sure you guys have seen some of the teams that I've shared on Twitter. People are like, What are you in a four team league? Like, no, that's <laughs> not that you you obviously have not played Dynasty before. This is built over time by accumulating each of these small edges that have compounded time and time again and year after year. Like these teams don't just, just pop up after a year, right? It takes no. time. Right. These are teams that I'm you know, two years, three years deep or whatever it is. And now I'm dominating, but it took that time planning and all those trades and all those transactions that compound together that, you know, gives you these like monster dynasty teams. And at the end of the day, that's what we want to do. I'm not, I'm not building to win championships, although that is one of the goals I'm building to win multiple championships, right? I want my teams to be at the top, like year after year after year. Right. And that's the goal. That's what that's what that's what everyone's goal should be. It shouldn't just be to win once. You want to at least be in the race and at the top of the race like every single year. Yeah. I'm looking at trying to build a team that's unbreakable. Yeah. Like, you know, I've got this team that's won four straight and it has Cam Akers and Michael Thomas, and I don't even give a shit. It's got Saquon <laughs> Barkley and he's hurt. I don't give a shit. It's yeah. got like it's crazy, you know, and that team's unbreakable. I can't I mean, I say this now, but you know. Um, it, it, and it's just, so that team, and then I drafted, it's a single quarterback league and I only had Pat Mahomes, literally the only quarterback. And like, now I have Trevor Lawrence and fields cause everybody else needed other things. And like in the second round there, they were yeah. or whatever, like it's almost cheating, you know? And, and like, but at the end of the day, you know, 
those that team is like nearly unbreakable. It's going to be very, very hard to beat me. And what's interesting is in that in that league, uh, there's basically collusion to not trade with me. <laughs> but no, there is, is and I don't true, have yeah. any issue with it because yeah. the alternative is the league folds. So I'm uh, <laughs> yeah. very careful to yeah. not be like complainer because yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean. You know when you're when you when you're driving the race car and it's the fastest car, yeah. you don't want a yellow flag. You know yeah, you should yeah. want. It's fine. Everything's legal. You guys are yeah. fine. Whatever you want to do, you want to collude. Don't want to trade with me. It's fine. I got all the good players anyway. Fuck yeah. you. Don't trade with me. Yeah. Like I actually would argue that they should be trying to trade with me, it with insane volume. Like yeah. You know, offer you know, make me make some stupid fuck. You know. <laughs> Right. But anyway, you know, so yes, you want to get to the point where your team is nearly unbreakable. We talked about that actually in part, part one, which was how do you identify uh, what type of team you have and, and how do you identify when to rebuild? That's actually something that I'd love for you to share. So how do you identify mm-hmm. your own team? How do you self-evaluate? And then how do you know which uh, path to take based off of what you see? Yeah, so I go by position by position, and I look across the league, and I, I I basically like stack rank all the teams, and like where am I strongest? And I want to make sure I'm strongest in the positions that matter most. Like, I, you know, it's nice to have sexy wide receivers for sure, but like if my team is not strong quarterback, running back, uh, it's going to be hard to win because those those are the positions that put up the most points, right? So I look at that. I also look at draft capital. Uh, so. It, if I look and I see, you know, I see you in my league, and you have full five of the next year's first, I'm not trying to go into that draft anymore. That that's a that's a losing battle. I'm not trying to I'm not trying to start the race, you know, two days after you've already won it, right? So those are a couple other things. So like I'm looking at which classes I can target. Like where where is the liquidity? Where is the draft that I can actually make an impact? Like we said, you know, want to make a splash impact, and then I target there. But you know, for me, I'm very binary. Like my teams are like. They're either like stacked as fuck or I'm like loaded on picks and trying to get that feature right. 1.01. I have very few teams that are like kind of floating in the middle because if they're floating in the middle, usually I'm just tearing it down. And, you know, I recognize that sometimes that means I might have t- tore down a team that could have won potentially. But at the end of the day, I'm just, I'm just trying to build monsters. And uh, so so I'm, I'm very binary in that respect. So if I look at myself and I'm like, hey, I am not there. There is without question that I'm one of the best teams in the league. Like th- right. those are the ones I'm like. I know I'm a contender for sure, right? And then the other ones, you know, I break them down into like, is it a total teardown? Is it I'm burning this shit to the ground, or is this a team that's like a couple pieces away that has a lot of good young assets, and I just need to kind of push the age out and like extend my the life cycle of my team. So that's those are the types of decisions I make. Um, and I just look at like the age curve of my team, like what's the average age of, 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 of like my players by position. So I try to get all my wide receivers uh, below 25. I try and get all my Bingo. running backs, you know, below like, you know, in that rookie contract, like first half of the rookie contract. And if they're not that, they're off my team. And that was going to be, that was actually going to be my next question, Mike, was and that's something, this is something that I do. I think I hear you saying exactly that, which is, you know, I'll look at a team and sort of go up and down it and be like, you know, is this particular player a guy that could reasonably be on my title team in two seasons? Yes, absolutely. Like, okay, T Higgins. Yep. You know what I mean? Yes. Melvin Gordon. No, not a fucking chance. Even Zeke. It's like, no, not a chance. You know, no No. chance. Not in two years. He's not going to be a a title. He's not gonna be helping me win a title. So I just go down. I look at all that. And if my team is a non competitive or non dominant team, 
um, that I'm starting to think about how I can get off all of the things that are not going to help me be dominant or even be part of a a winning strategy in two seasons. Yeah. The, The things that are, you know, like even a Darren Waller, you know, yeah. it's like he's 29 or whatever. Like, I'm off it. Like, by yeah. the way, you asked me uh, on the other show, uh, some of my losses are, are from 2020. You forgot my my uh, my wins. Yeah. Darren Waller was one. Yeah, oh, by Darren the way. Waller. Uh, congratulations, Jax Falcone on Darren Waller. But um, but th- those type of players, Kelsey, Sell, you know, I mean, yeah. again, if you have all of these players, you're not a – you are a contender, but you get my yeah. drift. Like, you know, as you start to identify – the certain types of players that will or won't be there for you in the future. I mean, I'm not opposed to trading a T Higgins if, if yeah. the price is right, but I'm not actively shopping yeah, him. You're not rushed to sell, to trade. Yeah, away Yeah. He's fine. He's a, he's a, he's an iron bank asset. Yeah. He's yeah. going to build around. And I think you said it right. Look, we, we talked about it on the draft pick side, right? You're targeting a year where you can dominate the draft and make a splash. Similarly, you want your players to be part of that splash. Cause you're not going to, no one's going to take, a single draft class, unless you hit on everyone 2020, but no more often than not, nobody's taking a single draft class and that's going to be your contending team, right? You still need a balance of nice players right. uh, and veteran presences on your squad to help you get there. So you're trying to like sync all that together to drop a fucking nuke on your, on your league. That's right. When that year comes, when your draft picks come in and you cash in on them, you're going to be like, well, here I am. I'm, I'm at the party and uh, you know, you guys are fucked. And that's, that's what you're trying to do. You're trying to like overwhelm, like in one single year, inject just an incredible amount of talent into your team and they all sync up and they all peak at the right time. And that's how you kind of like build a dynasty, right? That's right. And like, you know, if you have, if you do this sort of year over year, like there's a certain team I'm thinking of that I, that I have that is a, it's on the cusp. Mm-hmm. Like I've been doing this for a little bit and it's kind of a pretty solid s- squad. Mm-hmm. And it, but it has like a couple of picks in 22 and a cup and when I say picks first rounders you know yeah. uh two or three in 22 and two or three in 23 yeah and I'm not going to spend those just yet yeah. um but if the team is a little bit better and a little farther along than I thought and maybe yeah. some of the players that are a little older I think that team has Dalvin if he's kind of dominating and carrying me maybe I'll spend one or two of those first rounds together plus a couple of young prospects to get another impact player on a team that is losing, you know, let's say yeah. the CMC team is just, you know, he's, that's the only thing he's got. And I'm like, Hey man, yeah. you want to fucking push it towards the future? It's a win-win. I mean, I, yeah. I'm going to win the championship and you can fucking have all these picks and young guys and, and I'll make that play then, but not, not if I'm not going to win. As a matter of fact, that same type of team, if I'm not quite there, I'll sell Dalvin cook yeah. for, you know, and add to the two first rounds in 22 yeah. and to the two first rounds in 23. So, you know, sometimes, you know, you're towing that line um, and then you sort of see what you are and go one way or the other. I, I yeah. don't know if you feel the same. Uh, no, I, I feel you on that one. I think pe- people make this mistake all the time is they try and make that decision like way too early. You know, right. like it, it's like the off season. They're like, OK, I need to make a decision now. You know, right. but sometimes if you're if you're on that cusp. Right. And like you said. It's not just how your players perform, but let's say you went into last season and some of those monster teams that were looking like monsters that had CMC and Saquon Barkley, right? And Nick Chubb and all these guys that went down to injury. And all of a sudden you find yourself at leading the pack, you know, going in the playoffs at that point to give up 
you take that risk is is fine because it's hard to make the playoffs. It's hard to win the championship and be in that position. So, like you said, though, you don't make that move until you're there. You don't you don't give up flexibility right. uh, willingly, right? There's no reason to give up that flexibility because you don't have to place first seed to get in the playoffs, right? If you can be like fifth or sixth seed and then turn on the Jets, right? That's, that's right. I think that's the mistake that people make sometimes you don't have to chase that first seed right in those cusp like teams you want to have flexibility see how the season progresses like let some stuff play out like maybe some of the players that you thought were really good bust out or conversely maybe some of the players you didn't like on your team blow up right and these are the types of things that'll help inform you and taking that information and make the decisions that way but a lot of people are just too rushed they're just like oh my god like i'm gonna go for an out like i have delvin cook i have to go for an out let me give these two picks and get like another declining asset and then you're and then you're pigeonholed because then if you get a, if your player gets hurt and if your player busts, then you're selling that player you just got, and you're selling Dalvin Cook for a discount, uh, and that's just not a position you want to be in. That's right, and and a lot of times you don't know if your team has the uh, the Robert Tunyon of last year, right? Yeah. Or you know what I mean? Like yeah. you know you all or the do you have the Tyler Higby of last year? Like in other yeah. words, you don't necessarily know who you've got. Do you have Darren Waller or do you have Gary Barnage? Yeah. You know. Those yeah. those players looked similar heading into their sort of second season. A lot of people actually made the Barnage, uh, you know, uh, comp to Darren Waller, which I didn't appreciate too much. But but uh, but I saw it. I actually was like, that's possible. It is possible. Yeah, yeah Some people possible. made me hesitate on on Waller a little bit heading into last season, but yeah, not was, enough I, to not I, draft him in every single league. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I love to pull up. I love to pull up that uh, that one tweet I, I had and just look at all the replies. And a lot of them are deleted now, probably. But yes. in the replies, you saw stuff like, "Well, there's no way he's gonna produce." They have Henry Ruggs now and Brian Edwards, who I even liked. Uh, right. But I'm like, guys, we're not. This guy just had an all time great season. We can't fade him for rookie wide receivers. And they're like, oh well, now it's a crowded wide receiver room. They only threw to him because he was the only guy in town, and right. a lot of stuff. And finally, you know, this year it feels like people have finally corrected on Darren Waller. Oh, he's um, good. Sorry yeah, about that. It's like, oh, he's good. And yeah, he just put back-to-back all-time great seasons. And yeah, yeah he's, he's probably a he's good dope. player. So. Yeah, he so, was yeah, a drug good, addict, good man. That's the reason. Like, you know, you got to put you got to put context to everything. He's not a late breakout. He yeah. was always awesome. He was an alcoholic drug addict who almost lost his life. Like, yeah. The fact that he's even here speaks to how fucking dope he is. Anyway, yeah. moving on. What I basically am saying, too, is like I'm in this one league that, um, you know, I've got all the homeboys in it. And uh and it's a two tight end three. You can start up to three quarterback league. It's a ten team league. Very very interesting team. I have no tight ends, and I've been kind of sniffing around tight ends and trying to make some trades, but I, but I haven't. I don't. I haven't really made one. Going to the point that you were talking about, where it's like I'll just wade into the season and see. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, I'd love to make a tight end trade because I need one because yeah. I don't really. I it's really thin, and you start two, so it could hurt me bad. Yeah. But if my team sucks, yeah. I don't want to trade for Logan Thomas. I mean, I tried trading yeah. for Logan Thomas because I like him, but like I don't want to overpay for Logan Thomas. I don't I may not even want to trade for Logan Thomas because yeah. if my team sucks, Logan Thomas isn't may you know, 2 years from now, I mean, let's face it, that's probably a, a, you know, not going to work. So I'm going to wade into the season and kind of see. And if my team is frisky and maybe I find the guy that's 0 and 4, one mm-hmm. and three, kind of not loving life, and Jonu Smith hasn't done anything on his team. I'll go buy Jonu Smith low. I'll go buy this guy low. I, yeah. I'm I'm trying to find tight ends, but I'm trying to find them at value in that league. I'm just trying to 
take my shots. I'm, I'm I've got Kenny Yaboa. <laughs> you know, <I'm>, <laughs> yeah, I'm too. That's right, I'm just a taking, lot of Kenny Yaboa bullets. Right, it's like okay, let's go. Right, like seeing if there's anything that sticks, and you know, but I'm not trying to make the point I'm making here is I'm not trying to make my starting roster today because yeah. I see that a lot. Like you know, they'll be like. Someone will ask, should I make this trade? And they'll post. They'll be like, kind of weak here. And it's like, yeah. no, don't make a trade because you're kind of weak here. If you're kind of weak there, then you're weak. Yeah. So why would you be looking to buy players when you're weak? You're, you know, you're not – you're drawing to an inside straight. You know, that's what yeah. you're basically doing. And any of you poker players know, like, if you draw to the inside straight long enough, you're the you're the sucker. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there, there's only certain circumstances you want to go for the gut shot, and it's just to bring maximum pain onto your your opponent. But <laughs> it's not a, it's typically not a money making maneuver. That's right. But look, I think you know the point <laughs> that that you kind of just point, to bring maximum pain was fucking the best. That was <laughs> yeah, great. The, the, look, I've done it, man. Yeah. When we're playing our home home You're poker right leagues, too. and we're we're playing for all the money. And, you oh, know, I've never so drawn funny. for more gut shot straights than than in that league because I know the pain that it brings to people when you hit. That's so funny. Um, but yeah, look, I think the great point you brought up here is this, and I have a rule, and it's it's a rule I live by, and you don't I don't draft a roster in June. I don't right. draft the roster in July. I'm just drafting the best players. And because I'm confident in my ability to trade, so I'm not going to be on the clock and be like, holy shit, like I need to fill up. I need to fill up my two running backs, my three wide receivers, uh, my tight end, uh, my quarterback, my two flex. I'm just like, yo, I, I, I drafted this player and I can trade this player for what I need later on down the road because it's June. I have two, three months to fill up a roster. There's no need to give up the value to fill up a starting roster because you have time. And I think, again, it just goes back to this overarching theme. If you are looking to become a successful rebuilder, you got to exercise patience and the willingness to push the gratification down the road. And whether that's, you know, trading back or trading for future first and not getting that instant gratification of drafting your guy and, and the player you really like, those are the types of things and mentalities that you have to have if you want to be a successful uh, rebuilder because at the end of the day you're just trying to accumulate value and anything and everything you can do to accumulate value you just have to absolutely do it i agree i agree i mean you know especially when you're in a rebuild the number one thing you're doing is, is value i mean there's nothing more important than accruing value above all else that's why i would you know you could have argued that deshaun watson when we traded him in that league i'm talking about would have been a guy that i would have quote unquote kept and you know of course he is, but he's also he also has great value. Now it turns out that it was probably a great trade, but it didn't matter because whether we had him or whatever other quarterback, it just didn't matter, you know, because we're yeah. gonna lose. The team yeah. is dog shit. So you're only trying to just you know, and again, we stacked you're stacking in that same draft class. So I think that's totally, totally the way to play it. You know, what are the types of like in a in a rebuild? What are the types of players you're you're willing to hold, and what are the types of players you're trying to just fucking trade at all costs? And yeah. If you have any examples. Yeah. So this might go against the grain a little bit, but in a rebuild, right? Anytime a wide receiver is in the discussion for wide receiver one overall in dynasty, I'm looking to get out. Right. Uh, so, and I love Justin Jefferson. Trust me. I I think he's a, I think he's a stud. I think DK is amazing. I think AJ Brown's amazing i think these are all incredible incredible players great cornerstone pieces to build around but that piece alone is not going to help me win it's true so and like 
like you said, like a lot of people go on Twitter and like sell high, sell high, like sell like Zach Moss high. Like what the fuck are you talking about? Nobody's buying Zach Moss high, but people are, <laughs> everyone's looking to buy Justin Jefferson. Right. Everybody wants AJ Brown. Everybody wants DK Metcalf. So, and if I'm truly in a rebuild, like like the dog shit team that you said you took over, the reason why you have to trade Deshaun Watson because him alone isn't going to make the impact. But you get the two, three first for him and you hit on those two, three first, that's what's going to make your team the difference. So for me, whenever a wide receiver is in the discussion for wide receiver one overall, I'm looking to trade down at that position and get more future first. So if I have a DK Metcalf, I'm looking to get Brandon Ayuk plus a first, plus some more even. Right. You can probably get that, right? If, I'm, if I have, if I have uh, Justin Jefferson, right? I'm looking to get, you know, Terry another plus Terry McLaurin plus, 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 right? right. Like I'm, if I have a CD lamb looking to get brand new plus, and I love those players. I, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying you have to trade those players away, but that is the position where I found it is most easily to capitalize on value and accumulate future rookie picks. And if I, if I am right, and, and I'm more often, I'm much better at wide receiver evaluation than any other position. When I, when you are right and Brandon Ayuk takes that second tier, that that next jump into that class, now you have another first on top, and that's how you build the build your team away. And you know it's it's not popular, and like I said, it's again it's delayed gratification because you're you're trading away what everyone is telling you is the best wide receiver in dynasty, right? But when it comes down to the points, it just doesn't matter. the the, the value that you can get does not sync up with the point advantage that these players are really giving you. So that's right. uh, if you're trying to win, if you're trying to win a league, which is ultimately what you want to do. Uh, that's just like the greatest trade you can do. And I, I've I've done this. This is like, talk about the Iron Bank. Like, this is how I've replenished the Iron Bank year after year after year after year. Like, when Nuke was at, at the height of his powers, I traded DeAndre Hopkins for like DK Metcalf and Calvin Ridley, right? And now right. you look at back at that trade and it's like, you wouldn't get one of those players for DeAndre Hopkins. But at the time that I did it and it was viewed as very risky, it's like it worked out. And I, I do that trade year after year after year with Devontae Adams, Michael Thomas, DeAndre Hopkins. This year it's going to be like Justin Jefferson, AJ Brown, DK Metcalf. And I have a lot of these players. Why? Because I'm always trading into that group, that tier of assets before they take that next leap. So I have all these guys on my teams. And I have teams with, I literally have teams with like probably five of the top 10 dynasty wide receivers. I have teams with like AJ Brown, DK Metcalf, Justin Jefferson, Stephon Diggs, and Devontae Adams. That would be like my wide receiver core. Right. <laughs> and how do you get that? You get there by doing these types of trades, and it's just one of my favorite things to do. No, nah, it's really smart, and it makes a lot of sense to me. And uh, I think I think that's uh, you're right. It is against the grain, and you know you have to get appropriate value, though. I think that's oh, absolutely big, yeah. You're, you're you not know, looking to sell low, right? You, you're trying you're not to, looking you're to trying sell, to trade right. for the yeah. value that people are commanding. And when you're the dynasty wide receiver one overall, you can get a lot for that player because everyone wants them. And you know, it's like. It's it's like it's like selling you know it's like giving candy to, selling candy from a baby because like everybody wants them you have a lot of suitors if you're trying to sell a Zach Moss you maybe have one maybe maybe two that's if, right if, if if both of the ball blast girls are in your league maybe two people in your league that really want <laughs> Zach Moss right but most of the time just one right but if you that's want exactly you put right. Justin Jefferson on the block yep I promise you you will have six seven people in your inbox no problem and you start Absolutely. a bidding war and you get the value you you, that- you deserve. That's a hundred percent right, and and the the chances that you know, like right now, everybody's like Justin Jefferson easily like wr one through three like mm-hmm. in Dynasty like yeah I don't think anybody has him that much further down than like three or four at any at, you know nobody uh, because he's young because of his rookie season because everything he's cool like it's all yeah. fucking it's all there yeah. and so you're right if you put him on the block you know you could get 
I mean, you could get, like you say, Brandon Ayuk and T. Higgins. Yeah, easily, easily, yeah, easily, definitely. You could, right? pick, I think you get Brandon Ayuk plus a first plus a second round pick. Now, I love Justin Jefferson, right? But am I a first and a second round pick confident that in two years that value gap will exist? No, not really, right? So that's just what it comes down to. Yeah, no, absolutely. And and my point was is that like. If you got T. Higgins and Brandon Ayuk for Justin Jefferson, I'm not saying you should do that trade specifically. That's just the first two names that pop in my head. The the idea that there's zero chance that either Ayuk or Higgins are actually will outperform Jefferson in the next two or three years is definitely non-zero. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's yeah. like I don't know what the chances are, but there's yeah. definitely a, a, a there's a possibility that T. Higgins is gonna have a better year this year. I'm not saying that it's yeah. probable. Of course yeah. not. I'm taking yeah. Justin Jefferson every single time in best yeah. ball over fucking those two players. Yeah. But like when you're trying to rebuild, and again, Justin Jefferson is a little bit young. He's not exactly the type of guy. I mean, I'm sure that you'd much rather if you, again, you don't have both probably on a rebuilding team, but, you know, Tyreek Hill, mm-hmm. Calvin Ridley, you know, um, um, Devontae Adams, like yeah. a little bit older, Stephon Diggs. Yeah. You know, those are the more type of players that you're trying to sell in a in a in a rebuild because, yeah. you know, they're a little older. Yeah. And they're Stephon but they're Diggs still Ayuk in a first. Get it done. Bingo. I promise you. Yeah, exactly. Devontae Adams for Brandon Ayuk plus a first. Maybe you have to give him back like a third round pick or whatever. But those are the types of trades that exist for you every single day. And Bingo. contenders are willing to pay it. So and uh, you know, the other thing that I think is huge, and we touched on it, but I'll spe- I want to make it a specific point that we talk about it, is the importance of timing and patience. Because I think a lot of times, you know, people get very antsy, and me included. I want to make a trade. I want to mm-hmm. improve the team. I want to, right? I want to, want to, and you get antsy, and you're, you're like, I got to sell, I got to sell, I got to sell. You know, it's like, wait for the right time yeah. to make the right move. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You got you got to exercise patience. I mean, sometimes, you know, the biggest mistake I see people make is like, they're like, yo, like I went to my league and I put this player on the block and this is the best offer I got. I'm like, okay, well then don't trade them for that. Bingo. Right? Just wait. Just wait because like there will be better deals down the line. It just means that pe- those people weren't there. I've had this happen in a lot of leagues where, you know, I go to someone with a deal and they don't take it. And then two months later, I get a better deal because right. that player got even better than I thought they would be. Right. So, so I, I honestly believe this, the best deals I've ever made in dynasty are the trades that got turned down and you just got to be patient. Yes. Uh, and don't force it. Don't force the action. Don't take less than you deserve just because you're like, that's my best option because your best option at one time is not necessarily your best option. Another. So you gotta, you gotta just stay patient and it, it's a long game and, rebuilding and being successful rebuilding is truly just a test of willpower and patience. That's it. If you have those two things, you will undoubtedly come out on top of your league mates. Just, just exercise patience and exercise willpower that you do not go for immediate gratification because that is usually the path that leads you that extends your rebuild timeline or just fucks you altogether. So that's like my, my probably, you know, my my farewell advice to any viewers like if you're gonna remember two things remember those two things right and you know bruce lee is my fucking hero just he, i think he's a god and he always says you know like be water and that's what you got to be you got to be flexible all you the gotta time be flexible. all the time yeah and and before we go which we're about to go but uh and my my listeners right now are like what the fuck is this 50 minutes or something like that they're <laughs> like dude 
I'm used to two hours and 50 minutes, you son of a bitch. Well, listen, go catch part one with me and Mike Lou on, on, uh, on, on his show. But before we go, I do want to talk about this because I, I, I think, you know, this is a dynasty show and we, we try to stay current every week and I try and keep everybody up to date. This was, I'm sure people are going to fucking love this episode because we, we, this is really dynasty game theory, what we were talking about today, but Carson Wentz, Carson Wentz is out for five to 12 weeks. Quentin Nelson is out for five to 12 yep. weeks. I mean, you know, off the at the outset, I'm thinking, oh my god, like this is a like a real big problem for yeah. the Colts. Yeah. What, okay, so I'll I'll start with just what are your general thoughts here? Yeah, look, I mean, Carson Wentz, I was not really the biggest believer coming in, but he's he's better than Jacob Eason, so that's not that's a big downgrade. Uh, for the offense, I mean, I, I went on Twitter and jokingly said they should try and make a move for Jimmy Garoppolo. I don't know how realistic that is uh, from the cap space perspective, but you gotta you gotta be a little bit concerned. I mean, and I'm a JT truther. Am I moving him down my dynasty ranks? Hell no. He's staying exactly where the fuck he was the entire time, uh, which is running back two, three. Um, I was gonna but- ask you real quick. Let me interrupt. In the in the dynasty game theory invitational, I was on the clock with the choice between Saquon Barkley and, and Dalvin Cook. And Jonathan Taylor went just in front of me, and I traded back. Um, so I actually had all of them available to me, but I just thought it was more value to move back. I moved back. Right in front of me took Taylor. Then I took Barkley, etc. I guess what I'm saying is they went back-to-back. Do you still have Taylor ahead of Barkley, or what are you thinking there? Because both of them are a little scary. Yeah, I mean, I have them back-to-back. I have CMC. He's the you know lone running back in the Tier 1, and then I have yep. Barkley and Jonathan Taylor. I kind of flip back and forth each day. I think all else equal, I think Barkley is still like my guy just because like his receiving upside is a lot higher, and he's yes. like a god. He's, he's just a god, right? In yep. terms of all human beings, he's not mortal. And I get it. Look, there's risk, right? And he got injured. Can he ever come back? I think sports medicine has evolved to a point where people can come back from Barkley's injuries. And if anything, sure hope you know, so. people are worried about Barkley, I don't care if he starts slow because I will figure out a way to get into the playoffs. What I care about is if he'll be good for the playoffs. So if he's taking a little bit slow in the early game to be there for the playoffs, I'm totally okay with that. Um, And it might not look as good from a total production season production perspective, but I don't care about that. I care about points per game in the high leverage games. So uh, I'm a big fan of of both. And I think if you can get any discount on either one in Dynasty, I think you should jump all over it because these are just – these are like the assets that – come around like once every couple of years right and and you don't get you don't get a shot at them that often and i i thought i would never get this much saquon barkley between last year and this offseason i've gotten way more saquon barkley than i ever thought would be possible just because people are souring on him and and putting him in the injury prone label yeah and and you know you're 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 with look in that in the dynasty game theory invitational which i'm going to mention real quick just thanks for joining and let me just give you the I mean, we talked about it on part one again, but, you know, uh, Nate Liss from, you know, um, Roto Underworld, Danny Kelly from The Ringer, you, uh, Izzy Elkafaz from Dynasty Trade Calculator, JJ Zacharyson, uh, Scott Connor, uh, Shane Manila, Pat Fitzmorris, uh, Justin Boone, who we just had on the show recently from uh, The Score, Graham Barfield, Felix Sharp. Pat Corain and Thor Nystrom. I mean, you want to talk about a murderer's row of people who know football and dynasty football is unbelievable. So it's a, it's a huge league, 14 team 
I basically traded out of the first round, then back up to get Barkley. I traded back up to the 2.01 mm-hmm. where he was, and I felt pretty good about it. I was I was on the fence between Barkley and Cook, but I felt good about taking uh, Saquon there. As you point out, he's just an absolute stud. Um, uh, yeah, he just feels like the right player there. I'm a little bit mo- I'm moving JT down a little bit in um, in redraft. I agree with yeah, you. Maybe yeah. not in dynasty. I think. Yeah. At some point, they're going to fix the quarterback situation, whether it's Wentz comes back. I also think there's a lot of other um, uh, options for them in terms of like Mariota. You mentioned Garoppolo. I think there's enough. Phil Rivers? Mm-hmm. I mean, I joked. I think Izzy's going to take him here in the second round. I'm only I'm only teasing. But um, Phil Rivers could come back. I mean, I, I wouldn't put it past him, would you? Uh I think he's probably dumb, but I mean, who knows, man? That guy's got a million kids. He might not have to get out of the household every <laughs> once in a while. It's not a what, what was the Antonio Cromartie? I mean, you know, it's not one of those situations. I don't think he's paying support on each one. I think he puts them in one house with a big house and a you know pool with a slide. They're good, man. It's fine. Um, but I, maybe college. College is going to be expensive for that motherfucker. Yeah. Um, but uh, I I know you got to get going. We had basically two two uh, two one hour shows and. I thank you for coming on. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna butcher it, so I'll just have you tell everybody where they can find you. Uh, the Wolfpack is a, over 300 strong patrons. Um, it's worth following Mike Lou because he's fucking smart and he's he's not afraid to tell you what what to do and and he has a, a you know a, a a cogent plan that 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 you can follow and, and win dynasty leagues. There's just no doubt about that, brother. So tell yeah, everybody where to find you. you. Appreciate you. Uh, always love hopping on the show. Uh, can't wait to come back on again next time. And uh, yeah, you can find me at Twitter. I mic me up with two Ps and uh, patreon.com slash our pack. If you want to just like, you know, really get hardcore into dynasty game theory, you know, obviously, you know, follow Scott, listen to his pod. Uh, but if you want, you know, if you want to get in with me as well in my discord on my ranks, all the stuff, it'll be all over there. And, you know, I'm rocking with the guys at BDG, uh, the homies, Nick, the Godfather, who also been on this pod as well. So, you know, we're friends, man. We're friends of the show. We're friends yes, of each other's shows. So it's, it's good to always connect on this. And, uh, you know, sorry to dip out on you, uh, but I got, got dinner waiting on me. So, uh, gonna pop out there but thanks again for coming on my show and uh again thanks for having me on your show I always hey have a you know i mean here. you know you got a girlfriend i understand <laughs> you know everybody everybody answers to somebody now <laughs> yeah. we know who who mike lou answers to Absolutely. now i'm only teasing brother Absolutely. but uh you you are you are you are a gentleman and i appreciate you and and i i love following you myself because i think you keep me grounded to the things i need to be paying attention to as well uh you know we, we still do get things from each other, right? Absolutely. You I'm know learning. what I'm saying? Yeah. So um, that's part of the reason why I wanted to do the, the this league was I wanted to play against y'all and and just really uh, soak it up. And and it's been a lot of fun. And it's going slow as fuck, though, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's going a little bit slow, but we'll get there. We'll get there. shit. We'll get we there. started on Monday morning. It's currently we're recording this Wednesday night at 7. We're like in the second round. It yeah. is not good, yeah. I will tell you. And it, it's unbelievable. Nobody's really the, the culprit. It's just yeah. – a generally really fucking slow draft. So yeah. uh, God bless us, but we'll yeah. be all right. Mike Lou is the man on behalf of everybody at the undroppables on behalf of everybody at the undrafted on behalf of Michael P Duncan, the best producer in the land <laughs> on behalf of Michael Lou. I am Jack Falcone. We out. Here.